Welcome to Dig Life Deep with John Aiden Byrne. If you were paying attention, the U.S. Surgeon General recently released an extraordinary report calling loneliness a health crisis in America. Now, we've heard talk about a loneliness epidemic across the Western world as family and community structures break down, collapse, even as we ride a wave of interconnected social media. What surprises me the most of all in this is who exactly are the loneliest group of people alive today in America. Here to tell us in my interview coming up is J.P. DeGantz. He's president of Communio, a national non-profit that came out with its own study showing how a 40-year decline in marriage and fatherhood has helped fuel this public health crisis in loneliness. I saw an article on this uh, with uh, in the Washington Post, and everybody they interviewed was in their 60s and older, as if loneliness is a uniquely uh, a unique challenge of the retirement age. And the, what we saw in our data is that's that's not the case. Okay, uh, it is almost a uniquely young problem. Right, uh, our young people are not attached to in a healthy way to those relationships that are most deeply meaningful. We'll have more from J.P. DeGantz in my full interview coming up in a wee moment. First of all, it's time for our Future Shock 2.0 segment with workforce trends expert Ira Wolf. Ira Wolf, welcome back for Future Shock 2.0. On a recent segment, you talked about remote work and working in person at the office and the incredible impact on commercial real estate, a lot of vacant space out there. So economists and analysts on Wall Street have been talking and writing about a potential crash in the commercial real estate market. Is this a harbinger of what could be coming? Less people going into the office? Yeah, thanks, John. Uh, it's a fascinating question. And, and I'm, I certainly am not a real estate uh, guru on this at all. So a lot of these are my opinions and, and learning from other really smart people. Yeah, I, I think it is. Uh, I think there's going to be a, a transformation of a lot of corporate space. I mean, a lot of people that we've talked to uh, are reducing their footprint. Uh, you know, Some of it I just read about and some of it I know from working with clients. So uh, everybody's reevaluating that footprint. What does that mean? But there are already movements um, to transform some of those spaces. Some are, are looking at transforming them into uh, residential. I know in, uh, well, in your backyard in New York City, uh, the city itself, a lot of that is how do you bring back people? So for, for years, for the last 20 years, people have uh, gone over the bridge to Brooklyn and Queens, and now they're coming back. Uh, into the city. So it could be revitalization. I don't know what happens to Brooklyn and Queens when they do that. Um, but there are people that are that are looking because they love the city life uh, to be able to do that. Uh, so they miss that. But again, and I mentioned this in a previous episode that we talked with uh, Cushman and Wakefield, Brian Berthold there. And they had a fascinating concept that in addition to this ex experience uh, per square foot, but they talked about what's the future of business space going to be? And they talked about it operating on more of a community center type of a model that what's missing is, I mean, people talk about productivity, but, it, but in order to have productivity, you need to give people not only the tools and the environment, but the incentive to be productive. 
And business hasn't been normally good with that. When their only choice was, if you want a job, you come to our office. Um, now people have choices. So when you come to the office, is there a purpose? Is there a reason I should be there in flesh and blood um, to meet? Because so often when you get in there, you come in and there's a meeting of 10 people and three people said, oh, I couldn't make it in. My child was sick. I was sick. I couldn't get transportation. Um, I had a doctor's appointment and they're remote, which means there really wasn't that impact. So how do you get everybody in the office or in person, doesn't have to be in the office, but in one place at one time uh, and then, you know, be able to, to have the metrics that say, we are more productive when we're all together. We we do collaborate all together. We get more ideas in a shorter period of time. One of the things that was missing, and I think this was real key from Mark, I said, I never expected to get this advice from a commercial real estate company, is they said, what's missing is serendipity. What's missing in when we're on screens is serendipity. That, yeah, we, we could say, oh, I forgot to ask you this, and I can send you a Slack message or a text message or a LinkedIn message. We communicate like that all the time. So we could do that spontaneously. Um, but it, it takes an effort, and it's it's not necessarily, again, we may lose that moment. When you're walking down the hallway, when you're in a meeting, somebody suggests something, uh, there's all this information going on at the same time, there is a loss of serendipity of those specific moments that trigger ideas, innovation, growth, feelings uh, that we don't get when we're working remote. But I also would say we're not, we don't get it yet because we don't understand how to do it. We're so used to doing it that we have to do it in person. So we, we've lost serendipity. We, you know, go, but going back to the commercial space, uh, going back to Cushman and Wakefield, uh, you know, I think that's where the community center comes in, that when you go to a community center, when you go to a conference, when, when you go to a hotel, when you go to a meeting, the first thing you don't do is go, where's my desk? You don't ask, where's my desk? You basically meet people, you talk, you have conversations, you, you, you grab two chairs and you say, hey, let's let's sit down and talk. So we're, we're early stages, but it is definitely going to radicalize and transform corporate space because right now people are just shutting it down. It's expensive. They're not using it. Um, it's going to evolve. I don't think it'll ever go back to where it was, um, but it looks like we've hit a plateau. Thank you, Ira Wolf. Ira is a workforce trends expert, a top five global thought leader on the future of work and HR, author, TEDx speaker, and host of the very popular Geek Skeezers and Googleization podcast. Speaking of podcasts, I had the distinct pleasure of teaming up with Ira when he hosted the team of the top-rated business podcast, Odeon Capital Conversations for a live webinar with yours truly and his co-host Jason Cochran. It's up there on LinkedIn, YouTube and on all the good media platforms. The title of this live webinar was Unmasking the Economy. What good timing with the Fed having jacked up interest rates one more time. That was the theme and it featured the famed bank analyst Dick Beauvais of Odeon Capital Group and Matt Van Alstein of Odeon both are on the top-rated podcast known as Odeon Capital Conversations 
hosted by yours truly here. So you won't want to miss a replay of that webinar hosted by Geek Skeezers and Googleization. And it's up there on LinkedIn, YouTube, and on the various media platforms. Uh, I really enjoyed it. We'll have JP DeGantz coming up in a wee moment to discuss the recent Surgeon General's report on loneliness in America as well as Communio's own new scientific study on what is exactly fueling loneliness. The collapse of marriage has lots to do with it, according to this groundbreaking study. I'm your host, John Aidan Byrne. We keep digging for the secrets and stories of uncommon and everyday things and interesting people. Hi, I'm Danica Patrick. Watching my nieces grow, play, and learn is amazing, but not every child gets to be carefree. One in six kids in the U.S. are hungry. This breaks my heart, and it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and gives it to families in need. To help, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. My guest is JP DeGantz. He's president of Communio, a national nonprofit, out with a new scientific study showing how a 40 year decline in marriage and fatherhood has helped fuel the public health crisis in loneliness and also a rapid decline in religious faith and observance. This is quite interesting and quite timely and it comes out as the US Surgeon General declares loneliness a public health crisis. I'm your host John Aidan Byrne. JP DeGantz, welcome to my show. The topic is loneliness. It's been in the news lately. We had the US Surgeon General reminding us that we have a loneliness epidemic in America. It's just dreadful. We knew all about it, but he put a fine point on it. Loneliness is not something that is new, but we'll get into that. Your group followed up with its own study and its own solutions Mm -hmm. on loneliness really fascinating reading i want to get your take i want to push back a little bit first sure how can we be so sure that loneliness in america today is any worse than it was many generations ago let's be real here america was a very rural nation at least a century ago and we know that there's loneliness in those parts of rural america not in all parts but in many parts Talk to me about that first and then bring me up to date on where we're actually at today in America. Yeah, you know, the the Surgeon General's referencing a tool that's been only around since 1970, which is the UCLA Loneliness Index, which is the most commonly used uh, public health measure globally of loneliness. So it, it would certainly be true that we can't longitudinally track this back to the 1700s or 1800s. That said, I think you're right. In part, there were times, and and particularly regions of our country, that probably struggled with loneliness uh, for a very long time. Uh, There's there's a region of the country called um, the Mountain West, and uh, it's sometimes referred uh, to uh, 
a moniker, which isn't a good one, which is Suicide Alley, that uh, historically and for you know for a very long time, uh, Montana, Idaho, Utah, Colorado, these areas of the Mountain West always had the highest suicide rates, uh, and and it's largely seen that that was the fruit of the mountain isolation. That that it was harder to build community because it was physically harder to get from town to town and and and. Uh, it, his, it has some of the, lo- the lowest church attendance rates in the country historically. Uh, always had the, lo- the lowest before the Northeast's uh, uh, recent secularization, and um, and so so there's there, there's certainly that in part. But I think we also have to recognize that what we're experiencing right now is uh, uh, indeed new. Uh, that that there's a that uh, whatever was going on historically in the Mountain West has been dwarfed by what's going on on a national level uh and and um you you've seen an explosion in suicide suicidal ideation and a lot of the um uh, the 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 correlation with with uh, bad personal life decisions health decisions uh, drinking habits smoking habits drug consumption habits different uh uh behaviors that tend to lead to shorter lifespans are directly related to um, and seen as 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 directly uh, the cause of of um, this this phenomenon of of feeling lonely, feeling isolated. It's not the it's not the question of whether or not you are alone, like in an, in an absolute sense. The question is is whether or not you feel alone or you f- feel that nobody understands you. There's a number of people in our world today, in our country today, who um, are in fact not alone, but feel alone. And this is not just an American problem, John. This is a Western problem. The United Kingdom uh, years ago created a cabinet level position called the uh, the Minister of Loneliness. And even in 2004, Mother Teresa, uh, when she was looking at the West, she said, uh, loneliness, I call it the leprosy of the West, and it is worse than the poor of Calcutta. That even as far, uh, even in 2004, she understood uh, this as a, a growing challenge. It's now e- exploded. Uh, but what this is really a result of, John, is the collapse of the most um, essential human relationship that we all usually have, which is within our family. And uh, uh, there's a vast difference between people who are married and people who are not married in their likelihood of being lonely. And what uh, is really a frustration to me is that folks who talk about loneliness want to talk about the cause being almost everywhere and anywhere but the collapse of the family, right? That, um, But when you get into it, in our study, John, 22% of all churchgoers were considered lonely. But once you slice that out, uh, fi- only 15% of married people were considered lonely. And every single group was at least 50% considered lonely. And in fact, um, the, the the loneliest people in church are not widows. Uh, the loneliest group of widows are between the age of 50 and 59. Okay. Never married men and never married women are lonelier in in their 30s than the loneliest group of widows okay and that uh uh has 
caught the attention of a number of sociologists that we work with and talk to. It um, uh, it's a huge. You know, the reality is, is before the year two thousand, almost it was super, on average and in general, rare to be un unmarried in your thirties. Now it's the average age of marriages in your third is 30. So there's quite a number of, of folks who are never married in their thirties. Right. And, um, and, and so that in so many ways, this epidemic is really the, the fruit of that. Let's look at the U.S. Surgeon General's report. It's headlined, Our Epidemic of Loneliness and Isolation Prior to COVID. He said 50% of U.S. adults reported being lonely. Widespread loneliness in the U.S. poses health risks as deadly as smoking up to 15 cigarettes daily, costing the health industry billions of dollars annually. He referenced much of what you referenced there there's a, a lack of social attachment today yeah. to community organizations, to church groups, and he cites that as a contributing yeah. factor to this whole loneliness epidemic. Yeah, no, that's that's right. No, and uh, ultimately, and you know, this has been written about by guys like Robert Putnam in Bowling Alone, Charles Murray in Coming Apart, Tim Carney in Alienated America. This ongoing hillbilly elegy, J.D. Vance, the senator from from Ohio. Hmm. Um, you see this uh, uh, growing uh, social contagion, really, of of the collapse of our social uh, of our so social bonds and connections. Right, uh, marriage I noted is a key one. The collapse in church participation, and the reality is, is church participation is heavily dependent on marriage itself. Um, uh, we found that eighty percent of everybody who's in church on Sunday out of our 19,000 completed surveys, okay, those most attached to their church grew up in a home where mom and dad stayed continuously married. And that held across age groups, right? So if you're 21 years old and you're in church on Sunday, okay, you are just as likely to have had um, parents who are married at, through childhood as if you're a 59-year-old. Uh, in church on Sunday, right? And what's happened over the last 60 years has been a revolution on family structure. And um, that's driven the decline in attachment to these social uh, and community organizations that, but even um, um, secular forms of social capital, which social scientists would say, you know, volunteering at uh, being part of the, the local moose lodge, volunteering as a coach for little league, um, uh, volunteering for a local community organization to help the hungry. That is the people who do that disproportionately are married people who go to church, right? And and uh, I think what we're seeing is that once that unravels, you know, and and as that unravels, a post-marital America is a post-religious America, and it's a it's a it's an America with shrinking lifespan, right? Like our life expectancy continues to go down based uh, and entirely driven by what you're talking about, right? Um, uh, uh, it is, uh, multiple scholars have found that if you're considered lonely based on the use of the loneliness index, you, yeah. uh, you're going to live 15 years shorter. Okay. It's, it's like smoking 15 cigarettes a day. So, so it's a, uh, it's not, it, it's, it's not just a, uh, some listeners might, be inclined to 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 think that this isn't that big of a deal, but it's a big enough deal that um, 
that it 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 concerns health insurance companies. The the company that runs the largest survey annually is uh, on loneliness is Cigna, which is a, a health insurance company. Right. This is this is a concern for handling and understanding medical costs, hospital costs, and that's those sorts of things. There's so much to unpack in all of this. We live in clearly an increasingly secular society materialistic values yeah. uh, transcend all a lot of the values that we would have understood and lived by in a previous generation um, we also have an acceleration in technology in social media which is sort of ironic because uh, i've said this before and i'm not the only um person who would have noted this you have all these friends in social media and yet people have less yeah. friends in reality and in person. Yeah. Um, and so that must obviously be contributing to a lot of it, this it, loneliness it, epidemic. It does, right? So, but I, I want to, uh, I think it's, I think it's effect is my, uh, I think it's overstated. I think it is a factor, right? The loneliest people in America are millennials and Gen Z. Okay, they're the loneliest. It's not the elderly. Okay, it's the youngest. And you know, Facebook. There's quite a number of of non millennial, non Gen Z folks who have who have Facebook accounts. What's going on? Millennials and Gen Z are the least likely generation. It's not even close to be currently married. And and so there's plenty of Gen X. There's plenty of of boomers on on Facebook and on social media. Okay, the numbers. Uh, they're also Gen X and boomers are way more likely as a percentage, as a group to have been married. And um, uh, they're more likely to uh, show up in church on Sunday than millennials and Gen Z. Right. And so, uh, so uh, what sometimes what we can do, uh, especially if, and, and I think uh, uh, there's a, there's a huge narrative that this runs against, right. Uh, the the postmodern, um, second wave feminist narrative, which is that marriage is not necessary and we don't, marriage isn't, is, uh, uh you know, uh, uh, not necessary for, for happiness or fulfillment. And obviously not in an absolute sense, always and everywhere, not every single person, uh, uh is called to be married. Right. That said, it doesn't change the fact that the vast majority, most in general are. And, um, what you're seeing is, um, uh, you're supposed to go, the world has sold us a capstone idea of marriage in, in, in replace in, in place of the cornerstone idea of marriage. And the cornerstone idea of marriage was when you're starting off in life, you, it, it's the first block that you lay in building your, your life. And as the cornerstone is, and before you figured things out, before you figured out your job, your income, where you're going to live, you're going to, uh, you're, you're going to, uh, go get married. And that's what I did. You get married early in life. Capstone has replaced it. The idea that after you've achieved, after you've filled your, your belly, so to speak, with career achievements, uh, hit a certain income level, reduced a certain debt level, then once you figured everything out, then maybe you avail yourself of marriage and it becomes the capstone. And uh, we, chase, we chase material goods instead of what is long, what is permanent and enduring. Uh, and, and those things like faith and and uh, and those things like family, right? And so uh, what I think what you're seeing in this loneliness 
epidemic. And, and of course, I don't think the Surgeon General would want to talk and, and lay blame at, uh, at this specific cultural uh, shift toward capstone marriage away from uh, the idea of the family, away uh, from the idea of marriage, uh, because it's so essential uh, to post-modernity, right? It's, right it's, it's, we're told that you can have your cake and eat it too. You can go and go climb the corporate ladder that, you know, don't, you know, getting married is essentially being enslaved to, to your husband or enslaved to your family. So it's way better to be enslaved to a corporation who, uh, you know, two years after you quit, won't care what you did, right? Oh, For them, right? Uh, 20 years from now, your job isn't going to be uh, 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 telling you, wow, it was so great, you know, that you skipped your vacation or didn't take that vacation time this year. Okay. But you know what, that those children in your, your, your family, uh, uh, will remember that you weren't home and you didn't, you didn't, uh, invest in your marriage and your family. Because the U S Surgeon General's report does not give much attention to what you just spoke about, just so that we have the numbers about half of U.S. adults say they've experienced loneliness, according to the U.S. Yeah. Surgeon General in his 81-page report. And he is quoted as saying, we now know that loneliness is a common feeling that many people experience. It's like hunger or thirst. It's a feeling the body sends us when something we need for survival is missing. Very strong stuff. Where do you think um, the U.S. Surgeon General ultimately is taking us? Where is the government taking us? Is it saying that loneliness could also be some kind of a medical condition? It is. Yeah. Uh, yes, you know, that, that's exactly right. Are they right. taking right. us in a way that could actually worsen the problem? You know, I think there is a benefit. It's certainly possible. It's a benefit at the moment uh, that that the surgeon general is highlighting this as a problem i think it's a good thing i think it's up uh, it's up to 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 those who understand the source of the problem right to to provide the actual evidence right that that um uh, i was i saw an article on this uh, early early this month uh, with uh, in the washington post and everybody they interviewed was in their 60s and older as if as if loneliness is a uniquely uh, a unique challenge of the retirement age. And the, what we saw in our data is that's, that's not the case. Okay. Um, uh, it's, it is a, uh, it is almost a uniquely young problem, right? Uh, our young people are not attached to, in a healthy way, to those relationships that are most deeply meaningful. Okay. So I live in the Washington DC metro area. So there's, you know, it's one of these metros where there's a high number of young high-income professionals who are intentionally not getting, a number of them are intentionally pushing off marriage. And, uh, you know, you, you get these emails uh, where you see, or you see these folks on Facebook celebrating Friendsgiving, you know, Thanksgiving with their friends, because they don't have, none of them are married and they're, they're celebrating that, right? As it's, you know, it's great. And the reality is, is uh, if between the, these folks um, in their 20s, almost 50% of them are lonely or isolated. We saw it was, uh, uh, those between 20 and 29, I think it was 47%. Between 30 and, and 39, 68% of men and 64% of, of, of women who are never married were lonely or isolated. And so uh, there's a gap between the memes and the, uh, the Facebook uh, messages and the reality 
of what what's happening in their lives, unfortunately, right? And so, uh, so I it's it's critically important. We we tell we talk to pastors. We're trying to educate pastors, church leaders, uh, 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 different civic leaders. That one of the one of the solutions to this is to preach cornerstone marriage, that and and help people form healthy relationships that can lead to marriage. Right? That we shouldn't be telling our children that getting married at twenty three is young. I, I bristle at that. That I think we should probably just start calling our current situation old marriage, and the somebody getting married between twenty two and twenty five is just that's just normal marriage. Like historically. Over over the lifespan of human history, it might even be considered old. Yeah, and um, uh, and then we have to help our our young people to. There's actually there's an entire science around uh, relationship attachment, how to discern a good relationship. Uh, I wrote co-authored a book called Endgame: The Church's Strategic Move to Save Faith and Family in America with a a good friend, a great evangelical Christian, and a psychologist who designed a program called the Ram series. And he wrote a book called how to avoid falling in love with a jerk. And I've read it to my teenagers. I jokingly told them it's too late for your mom, but I can help you. And uh, and so, so it's simple, simple ways. We, he says, uh, no, imagine a a sound dial uh, on a soundboard, five dials, no trust, uh, rely, commit, touch. Okay, so no dial to the left should be higher than the dial to the right. So you don't trust more than you know. You don't rely more than you trust. You don't commit more than you rely, and you don't move to sexual touch more than any of those things. And he's got tons of good data on that. Read it to my teenagers. My daughter said to me, "Dad, I've read a lot of books to my kids. Tolkien, some great stuff." And my my fourteen year old daughter said, "Dad, that's the first book you read to us that was interesting." Mm. And <laughs> so so giving. Our, our kids, young people, young adults, um, uh, the skills, and then and then also pushing back on the world's narrative that you know you should go and you're too young to get married. That should be stripped from our lexicon because when we tell our kids that, when we say to our kids, "You're too young to get married," they're in their twenties, they're they're they've discerned a healthy, you know, they found somebody, and they're in a healthy spot with them. And we say, you're, and we give that as the justification. What we're telling them is we're telling them that they should be more. They should be lonely. Uh, they should seek sexual gratification outside of marriage, which leads to more depression. Um, we uh, are are uh, as if you're if you're a Christian, you're also saying that they shouldn't avail themselves of the most common path to personal to grow in personal holiness. You shouldn't do that either because you're 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 too young for that. So these are all problematic messages that uh, even uh, you know. Parents generally, in general, think that they're helping their kids. But uh, Mark Regner, a professor at UT Austin, his research found that every year in a country where marriage increases on average by age, the number of people who never marry also goes up proportionately. Okay, so when we delay marriage, and as parents, we encourage the delay of marriage, that we're increasing the likelihood, we're playing a dangerous game, we're increasing the likelihood that our kids will never marry. And then based on all the data in our study, and I'd encourage any of your listeners to, to download it. It's free, communio.org slash study. You can get the whole study for free and download it, share it with people you know. But based on all this data, we are wanting our kids to live a shorter life when we say when we, say we want them 
to uh, when we say you're too young, we're actually inserting the idea that you should have a shorter lifespan, <laughs> right? You you should live a life that's longer. Now, no parent actually thinks that, obviously. Yeah. But if they understood the consequences for for delaying these decisions, then um, uh, then we would probably be a lot less likely to say it out loud. My guest is JP DeGans. He's president of Communio, a national nonprofit, out with a new scientific study showing how a 40 year decline in marriage and fatherhood has helped fuel the public health crisis in loneliness and also a rapid decline in religious faith and observance. And it comes out as the US Surgeon General declares loneliness a public health crisis. I'm your host, John Aiden Byrne. JP, I want to go back to something you brought up. You talked about corporate America, the the, the corporate um rat race if they call it anymore yeah. the corporate rat race a lot of companies today post pandemic are struggling with this kind of notion of the work-life balance it's 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 pervasive in corporate yeah. america they're aware and it's maybe because there's a new generation of leaders and ceos yeah. that there's more to life than just the daily grind not to say that workers don't show up and produce they're paid to do that it's the responsibility clearly but with the hybrid environment remote working more and more companies realize that it's important to have a healthy workforce whether that's taking an hour or two off to take care of themselves to go to the gym or to take uh, a one-week career break from work all kinds of they're playing with all kinds of experimenting in a very, to a degree, I haven't seen in, in in quite a long time. So your your thoughts about that? I think it's a great look. I think in general, I think that's a good trend. Okay, to emphasize, um, there's a recognition that we are more than economic automatons, right? And now, even if corporate America is still trying to get us to be better economic automatons, uh, but understanding that investing in uh, time off and a, a healthy uh, recreative lifestyle um you know Americans probably I know I'm guilty of it at times taking too little time away from work right so and I think that can lead to um uh an environment where folks who marry can and raise kids can have uh the kind of work-life balance that allows them to be there as a, as a dad, as a mom. Right. And I, so I think that's, I think that's certainly, um, I think that's certainly a good thing. I, I also don't think we should underestimate though, um, the idea that corporate America in general probably, um, doesn't want you like, there's a lot of bad incentives, right? Um, there's a reason that when the Dobbs decision came down, that that co corporations were falling all over themselves to offer to pay to send working women to to get abortions. Mm. Okay, they really don't want you to have much of a family, right? Like that that yeah. you're. So, so let me stop you there, JP. They they don't. Well, it's unstated, if you will, that they kind of like roll their eyes if they see. Uh, uh, 
a worker with a large family, in other words. Sure. They're not exactly welcoming. Oh, good for you, Charlie or Mary. Yeah, yeah. They'll 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 pay to uh, freeze your eggs, right? The, uh, things of that nature. Uh, a lot of companies offer that as as some some form of of, of benefit, right? Uh, uh, and I can tell you, I'm, uh, as a dad, uh, and and I we became parents uh, uh, in our in our early twenties. I uh, I was twenty four, and um, uh, uh, and then became a, a, a parent at. Uh, at 40, just short of 40, there's a big difference between how fast I jumped out of the bed when, uh, when I was, uh, 24, 25 years old to take care of, uh, a little one in the middle of the night. And when I was 40 jumping up in the middle of the night and, mm. and to, to think that that's not a thing, right. We're also, you know, um, we're also depriving our, our kids of having, uh, grandparents who are, who can be active, right. Mm. You know, uh, grandparents in a normal world, are not elder, elderly people. Historically, you're going to have grandparents in your, you know, become a grandparent in your fifties, yeah. be able to enjoy your, enjoy your kids, your grandkids. Right. But now we're, we're kicking a lot of grandparents into the becoming first time grandparents in their seventies. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I was so close to both my grandfathers and I was so blessed to, um, to have such active grandfathers in my life that that's another part of life, part of the social capital, part of, uh, what gives you meaning and purpose is your relationships within your family, and uh, what what has been advanced through women's studies departments, through corporate America, um, uh, is this I I did delay marriage, go go get go uh, seize seize the world, man, go go get a go amass a giant pile of stuff, and uh, that's going to make you happy. You know, being being shackled to your desk, that now that's gonna make you happy. Not 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 uh what they would pejoratively say is the ball and chain, but the reality is is over and over again, the happiest people in America, okay, and the least lonely people in America are married people with kids who go to church like that. Yeah. Disproportionately, it's it, it it it's um the most obvious and clear uh uh, pieces of data that you can find. Uh, of course, U.S. Surgeon General uh, Academia, right? That studies this frequently, uh, and um, in corporate America, that's not something that advances uh, our our postmodern uh, uh, a global shopping mall approach to the world, right? Like that. That's not uh, that. That's that's uh, it runs in the face of it. So. But the good news is I think these things are hardwired into us, right? There's mm. there's laws that are like the speed limit, right? Yeah. And uh, then there's laws like gravity. And um this is a law like gravity. Okay. So you can only you can only run from the importance of the family and man's deep and uh, a woman uh woman's deep desire uh to be known and to know someone else. Uh and um and at some point it it restores itself and it has over over the course of human history corporate america of course has gone woke in large parts of it so that's a whole other phenomena that we could address we really don't have enough time to do that that's uh, creating its own set of strange outcomes maybe contributing to this whole loneliness epidemic i suspect it is 
back to marriage and being good for your health, as the studies show, and going to people who go to church are less lonely. There are probably many Americans, many young people, millennials, and those who've never married are saying to themselves, gee, yeah, nice try. Look at all the collapsed and failed marriages in America. <clears throat> many of them grew up in communities where they yeah. heard all the stories of domestic violence even. Uh, husbands walking out, um, just just no sense of happiness. Um, yeah, yeah, how, that's how a narrative. Could that, how could that possibly yeah, inspire thanks. young people? Yeah, just, thanks. You know, that's to, it. To, I'm to so glad you asked married. this question. This is such a great question because, uh, the, first off, suffering is part of the human condition, and you don't escape it whether you're married or single. Okay, There's, so that said, you have a lot less of it on average and in general if you're married. Now. Uh, uh, 82 in our survey was of 19,000 people in church on Sunday, 82% of married people in church reported being very satisfied or more so in their marriage, right? So four out of five, okay, were, uh, were, were, were really happy in their marriage. Okay. Uh, first time marriages. Okay. Uh, you're talking about Somewhere around 65% of first-time marriages last a lifetime, okay? And um, and you can increase. It's not a mystery, okay? There's skills that you can learn to discern marriage well so that you don't enter a problematic marriage. And then there's skills after you enter marriage that you can learn and practice to become even happier in your marriage, mm -hmm. okay? Um, and, and we think that's important. Now, domestic violence, there's... Uh, the safest woman in America from all forms of violence is a married woman. And it's not even close. And uh, uh, the woman most likely to be a victim of domestic violence is a woman who cohabitates. Okay. A cohabiting woman is the most likely to, to she is seven times. <laughs> there's a study. She was, you're seven times more likely to be murdered uh, uh, by your live-in partner. Okay. Um, uh, in our data, we have data on cohabitation, and it couldn't be more unfair for women. Okay, uh, 80, uh, eighty-five percent of of cohabitors uh, cohabitors are eighty-five percent more likely to be lonely in their relationship than a married couple. Women are about twice as likely to be dissatisfied in their marriage than a than a. Um, uh, I'm sorry, a cohabiting woman is 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 twice as likely four out of 10 to be unsatisfied in their relationship than a married woman. Okay. And the men it's, it's not good for them either. Okay. They're substantially less happy in their cohabiting relationship, substantially uh, uh, more lonely in their cohabiting relationship when compared to married to married people. So when people say marriage is just a piece of paper, the data doesn't bear it out. If, if, if you look at people who are cohabiting, they have companionship, Married people have companionship. There's completely different outcomes. And the reason there's different, one of the reasons there's different outcomes is a married person goes on common mission with somebody. Mm. They they are like Cortez and, uh, and he burned his ships uh, to go conquer the Aztecs. Right. A married couple burns their ships and goes off on an adventure together. There's and and there's a level of commitment there that's ontologically different than somebody who's cohabiting. A cohabiting person is holding something back. He or she is is not trusting the other person. Okay, 
And that creates all sorts of bad outcomes, uh, misaligned expectations, uh, and deep levels of unhappiness and and uh, and a lack of satisfaction. So that's you know all of this is contributing and fueling that that loneliness epidemic that that so many of our elites are thankfully starting to talk about, but they're not their 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 worldview would not allow them to identify. There's a confirmation bias there that prevents them from just looking at the plain the plain data with collapsing church attendance although maybe it'll plateau and it'll bottom out we don't know um could we infer from all of that that we're going to see increasing uh, increasing level of loneliness in america where do you see where do you see it headed where where is this going to end look yeah look i'm uh the next couple decades i think it's it gets worse before it gets better is my uh, uh, opinion um now it the the church church the churches in america can reverse this by evangelizing through a renewal of healthy relationships and marriage there's a deep need like the gospel has always been advanced through felt need ministry since jesus so the church can uh, and we work with about 180 churches around the country and uh two-thirds protestant one-third catholic and we equip them to really do evangelization uh uh, we have a church in Vero Beach that had 1,100 people register for their fiesta street party. 75% of those registrations came from outside the church. There were street games, activities, and then relationship skills activities developed. And we helped that church um, uh, reconnect with those people, got them email addresses, cell phone numbers, and all that. So churches can do things to correct this right now. But let's make no mistake, religious non-affiliation is directly related to a lack of father relationship in the home. I go into this in the study and uh, the religious nuns will continue to grow for about 20 to 25 years after this uh, uh, married fatherhood stabilizes. Okay. The good news is there's signs over the last decade that the number of kids who have a married dad in the home appears to have stabilized. It's hit a, it's hit a certain threshold. About 45% have continuously married parents through childhood. Uh, that's the good news. The bad news is, is it would suggest to me, and we go into this in the study, you can get it at communio.org backslash study. And um, it would appear to me that religious non-affiliation will continue to grow and uh, grow to basically catch up to the number of adults walking this, around in America who who did not have uh, married parents, uh, that there's a strong relationship between faith practice and and ha- growing up in a home where where mom and dad stayed married, and um, uh, that only one out of five people in the pews in their twenties uh, today uh, grew up in a grew up in a home without married parents, even though that's the majority situation for everybody uh, in America, right? So they're much less likely to go to church, and th- and and that I go in, into an unpack why. There's a lot of of psychology that's already been written on this that we cite and make sure we educate people on. Hopefully, eventually all of this will turn around, but you're doing fascinating, interesting, and great work. Um, Give us the website, uh, again, Communio. You you head up that organization. Any other contact information? Yeah, yeah, it's communio.org. And on the main page, you can find the study. You can go right to the the main uh, to the study at communio.org backslash study. Uh, you can sign up there to get our email updates, and I'd encourage you to do that. Uh, you can also just email me directly 
at uh, and reach out to me uh, uh, and at jdegants at at communio.org and always like to hear from people. JP DeGantz, thank you. Hey, thank you, John. Great. Um, probably, I'm going to say, estimate four weeks we'll, we'll upload this in or around. Right. I'll send That's you all, all you guys the links. That's great. That's okay. terrific. Thank hey, you thanks, again. Hey, thanks, John. Yeah, Take yeah, it have easy. Have a good day. Bye. You too. Bye. You are listening to Dig Life Deep with John Aiden Byrne. You can reach the host in the U.S. at 973-529-4699. That's 973-529-4699. 973-529-4699. Email burndesk at gmail.com. That's burndesk, B-Y-R-N-E, desk at gmail.com burndesk at gmail.com Subscribe for free